0: Here's today's message from
1: Pastor Timothy Brown. God,
2: thank you for the death of your son. It had to be that way. And you did it. And would you meet with us as we reflect on on that tonight? In Jesus' name.
0: And welcome to our Good Friday service. We're so glad you're here. What we hope to accomplish in this service is for you guys to reflect upon the death of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. On Easter we get to celebrate, but tonight I want you just to contemplate what he did for us and his death. It's been said that someone's last words reflect what they're about. And throughout history, people have uttered their last words, and that was kind of a testimony to their life and their legacy. Jesus uttered seven sayings on the cross. The first one was, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. In Jesus' final moments, forgiveness was on his mind. His second saying was, Today you will be with me in paradise. Good Friday is about eternity. There may be someone here today that maybe you've strayed, and today's the time to come home. And just like the thief on the cross on Jesus' right side returned and turned to God, you can come home. His third saying was, woman, this is your son, and son, this is your mother, spoken to John. Jesus not only thought of eternity, but he thought about the here and now. He thought about family. He cared about even his earthly mother to the very end. His fourth saying is, I thirst, I thirst. This is the paradox of grace. The God who needed nothing became the God who was 100% God, 100% man. And on the cross, he thirsted, And his thirst was not just physical thirst, but it was spiritual. Because on his back was laid the sins of the world. Not just the present sins, but the past sins of humanity and the future sins. Some 6,000 years of human history cumulatively laid on his back and counting. And his sixth saying was, It is finished. This is completion. And this is the Christian, Christian message that you add nothing to the finished work of Christ on the cross, it's all of grace. It's nothing I bring to the cross but a willing heart. And why do they call it Good Friday? One of the reasons is, is that we bring nothing to the table. We come empty and we leave full. We come poor and we leave spiritually and eternally rich. And his final saying was, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. This is one of trust. We can call it Good Friday because once you commit your trust into the Lord Jesus, into his finished work on the cross, you too can say, Father, into your hands, I commit my life, I commit my spirit. So today, as we reflect upon the cross, I want us to look back a little bit on the life of Peter. And the question I want you guys to ask yourself on this Good Friday 2022 Are there second chances at the cross? Does God allow do-overs? Does God allow mulligans? Does God allow a second start in life? And we're going to look back at Peter's life as we look towards the cross. In Luke 22, verses 31 through 34, it says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail and that when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Then Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, this day before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times that you know me. So the first reflection I want to present to you before we have our next song is this reflection. The ongoing battle of good and evil is something that affects us all. And as you reflect on the Savior on the cross, I want you to think about your own sin. How much of your sin was nailed to the cross? All of it, right? If you accept Christ, it's all been paid for. And for the person that has not yet accepted Christ, the opportunity is there for your sin, too, to be nailed to the cross. As believers, we know it's taken out of the way because we have received that forgiveness. But as we look at Peter, a few thoughts emerge. Is Jesus knew that Peter was going to betray him. And yet he loved him anyways. When Jesus looked down the corridors of time, he saw you. He saw you right here, right now, in 2022, sitting in this sanctuary, listening online. He saw you, and as he looked down the corridors of time, he loves you. Faults, mistakes, everything. And for the strong believer, it's a reminder of what Jesus did. For the believer that's struggling, it's a call to return home so that you too can be reminded that it is Good Friday. Satan was presently scheming to cause Peter to be unfaithful to Jesus. He does the same for us. Satan is always planning and always scheming. But the beautiful thing about Good Friday is we're reminded, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Peter proclaimed his own strength. He's like, I'm never going to deny. I'm going to be faithful to the very end. But Jesus knew And yet Jesus loved him nonetheless. One of the most amazing things about our God is he can love you no more and no less. The prophet Jeremiah said that God had came and said, I have loved you with an everlasting love. So what's so good about Friday? Why is Friday so amazing It's because God looked down and he had mercy on you and on me.
1: to sing the Lord today for salvation from His hand, for the healing of our land. Let us pray For our sin we repent, O Lord. We believe your holy word. Have mercy, Lord, we pray. And take all our sins away. Kyrie.
0: We are here today because of mercy, not getting what we deserve, because Jesus took what we deserved. In the gospel of Luke chapter 23, the story continues on with Peter. Having arrested Jesus, they led him and brought him to a high priest house. But Peter, but Peter, he followed at a distance. Now, when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. And a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, this man was also with him. But Peter denied him, saying, woman, I do not know him. And after a little while, another saw him and said, you also are of them. And Peter said, man, I am not. Then after an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, Surely this man also was with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you're saying. Immediately, while Peter was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned to Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. Our second reflection today is as Jesus was being tested, Peter failed the test as he denied Jesus three different times. You know, even though they arrested Jesus And he was an innocent man, and even though he had done nothing, Jesus was fulfilling his mission to go to the cross. And Jesus had asked his twelve apostles to stay and watch a while. And he took Peter, James, and John apart and said, I need you to pray with me. And he said, watch him pray so that you don't fall into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And as Jesus prayed three times, Peter fell asleep three times. So the question we have to ask is, if Jesus said, say and pray so that you don't fall into temptation, and he failed to do that three times, is it possible in divine grace that Peter could have prevented the temptation if he would have stayed awake those three times? But you know, Jesus knew the future. He knew that Peter would fall asleep. He knew that Peter was weak. And the same is true for you and I. We can try our best. We can put on our best church face, our best church clothes. But the same Peter that loved Jesus and fell on his face is the same us. The Bible says all we like sheep have gone astray. But yet the beautiful news is that Jesus took that iniquity. As Peter betrayed Jesus, Jesus was taking those three denials to the cross. And in just a few hours away, Jesus was going to die for Peter's three denials. So Peter went out and wept bitterly because he had betrayed the one who had loved him. The one who loved him. The one who was getting ready to die for him. So why do we call it Good Friday? One of the reasons why is the word good several hundred years ago had a different meaning. It meant kind of Holy Friday or Sacred Friday. But even though the meaning of the word has changed, it still is good in the sense of the word we use it today. Because the Bible says that by his stripes, you and I healing without the shedding of blood there is no remission for sins it's been said that if you flip through the bible you find blood on most of its pages and there is a scarlet thread running through old and new testament that there was a coming lamb the lamb of god who is going to come and to die for the sins of the world at this time if you'll take the communion cup by your seat I want to read to you a passage and the instructions on communion is during this next song. In just a moment, you can partake of it if you are in a right relationship with God. If you're not in a right relationship with God, Good Friday is a really good opportunity to make things right. And what that means is if you don't know Jesus, it's right where at your seat. You're just calling on the name of the Lord. The Bible says whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved It's confessing your sins. It's asking Christ to save you. And you can do that right at your seat. For those of you who may need to come home, maybe you've been following from afar just like Peter did. It's the time to come back. So I'm going to read a scripture and I'm going to pray. And then after this next song, in the privacy of your own seat, let your seat be your sanctuary. If you're in right relationship with God, partake of this Lord's Supper. If you're not in right relationship with God, now's the time to make things right. So in Matthew 26, as they were eating, Jesus took the bread. He blessed it and broke it. He gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup and he gave thanks and he gave it to them. And he said, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed with many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it with you in my father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. So in just a moment, we're going to listen to a song about the cross and how his blood ran red. But three things about the Lord's Supper before we pray, and as you have this moment at your seat. It's an opportunity to remember the death of Jesus. Every time you partake communion, the Lord's Supper, you're looking back at the Lord's death. Jesus love, loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And how do I know that he loves me? John three sixteen, for God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish. But have everlasting life. So we remember the life and the death of Jesus. We also reflect on his sacrifice. Jesus took the nails that I deserve. Every sin that I will ever commit. Was nailed to the cross. And when I received what Jesus did for me. My sins were paid in full. And it's a time to renew your anticipation that every time you proclaim the Lord's Supper, you're also proclaiming his second coming. And it kind of makes the devil a little nervous. Every time you take communion, you're telling everyone out there, including unseen foes that we don't see that watching on Jesus is returning. So watch out, devil. Watch out, Satan. He is coming again. So the Lord's Supper is really three dimensions. It's past, It's looking at his sacrifice, it's present, it's examining yourself in its future, it's looking forward to his return. I'm going to say blessings over the elements, and you can partake it at your seat. I'm also going to say a prayer that if you don't know Jesus, this would be the time right at your seat, you would say a prayer of faith. So let's pray together. Father, we commit these elements to you. The bread that represents your body broken The juice which represents your blood that was shed. And Father, I pray for all believers today that you would strengthen them. That they would know that there's a place at the cross that they can go back to and remember when they were saved. So right now, take this moment to pray. And I want to take this opportunity if you are here today and you don't know the mercy of God. You've never received forgiveness Right where you're sitting, just not out loud, just in your heart, it's called a prayer of faith. Just say, dear God, thank you for sending me to this church on Good Friday. I realize I've never received what Jesus did for me on the cross. And I do believe that he died for me. I do believe that Jesus rose on the third day, and I want to place my faith in him. So tell him right now, dear God, I ask and pray that you would come into my life and that you would forgive me of all my sins. I choose to follow you. Thank you, Father, as we continue to pray and worship through this music. Thank you for the broken body and blood of your son. In Jesus' name we pray.
1: a place where streams of grace flow deep and wide. Where all the love I've ever found comes alive i sure. with God and forgive
0: Are there second chances at the cross? Peter has just denied Jesus, not just once, not twice, but three times. And now we see three men at the cross. Three men at the cross. It says there were two others also led with him. There were criminals to be put to death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified Jesus and the criminals, one on the right hand, the other on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots and the people stood on. But even the rulers with him sneered, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. The soldiers also mocked Jesus, offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the King of the Jews, save yourself. An, inspira- an inscription was written over him in the letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew This is Jesus, King of the Jews. Then one of the criminals who were hanging beside him blasphemed Jesus, saying, if you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, do you not even fear God, seeing that you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man... He has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you today. You will be with me in paradise. So your final reflection tonight is this. There were three men on the cross. Each of these men were dying differently. So they led Jesus to the place called Calvary. Their name for Calvary is Golgotha. This is known as the place of the skull. And even in the midst of this darkness, Jesus dying in the middle of criminals, he was forgiving to the very end. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. The three men on the cross that day, each were dying differently. The man on the left side of Jesus, the one who was mocking Jesus, blaspheming Jesus, this man died in sin. This man died in sin because he rejected the Savior who was dying next to him in his place. He rejected the offer, so he died in his sin. The thief on Jesus' right hand was not dying in sin, but he was dying to sin. He was dying to sin because, in his last breathing words, his last words, his last breath, he confessed his sin. He realized that he deserved to be there, and Christ did not deserve to be there. There's a passage in Isaiah 45:22. It says, look to me and be saved, all ye ends of the earth, for I am God and there's no one else. So the thief on the left hand side of Jesus was dying in his sin. The thief on his right hand side was dying to his sin. But what about Jesus? Jesus was not dying in sin because he had committed no sin. He didn't have to die to sin because there was no sin in his life. So Jesus was dying for the sin because he had committed no sin. One of my favorite scriptures in the whole Bible is 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says, for God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So this is the divine exchange. Three men dying on crosses. One man was dying in his sin because he rejected the sinless Savior. One man dying to his sin because he realized that Jesus was the Savior. And one man, the God man, dying for the sins of the world. So going back to the initial question I asked at the beginning. Are there second chances at the cross? And the answer is yes. Yes and amen. And there are third chances and fourth chances. As many times as we fall short of God's glory. The cross speaks this message that we are forgiven. That we are cleansed. So as we sing the final song in just a moment. We're going to talk about how great the father's love is. But in your in your seat you'll find... A white card looking like this should be one around your seat. And during this last song and even after the service, the crosses are going to be open. And we're going to allow you the opportunity to nail whatever your sin, shame or struggle is. Even as believers, we still deal with sin. And every day we have to die to ourselves. And sometimes it's a sin that's been forgiven, but it feels like a shame. And I want you to know as a Christian, you don't have to experience shame because Jesus has taken that away. The Bible says there is therefore no condemnation in Christ. So God will convict you, but the guilt, that's Satan's job. He makes you feel guilty. He's the accuser of the brethren. So what we're going to do is we're going to nail these to the crosses. And if you have a problem nailing or, you know, physical, there'll be people that will assist you. And what this symbolizes is Jesus has already taken it out of the way. So why are you holding on to it? Why are you holding on to the guilt, the shame, the regret? Because if Jesus died once for all the sins of the world, if you have received Christ, guess, guess what happened to all your sin? Past, present, and future, you have a clean slate. Paul says in the book of Colossians that because of Christ and his sacrifice, When he views you through the cross, he sees you as completely holy. Not 99% holy, but 100% holy. He sees you as blameless. So anytime Satan accuses you, you're blameless. And he sees you without fault, faultless. And you're like, well, that's not possible. Well, it's because Jesus has forgiven you. That's positionally. So during this next song, and I'll lead the way, I've already written one of my major sins on the cross. I'm going to nail it. And as you write it on there, you can come forward. and if you want to wait till after the service in the silence of the moment, just respond as the Lord leads.
2: also like to add to this time if someone has hurt you if someone has let you down if you are harboring unforgiveness, whatever not necessarily that's a sin in itself, but if there's anything that you need to let go of, whatever it is come nail it to the cross, if we run out of nails, um, then you can just throw it down here at the foot of the cross and i also say that this altar is open during this time. Come kneel. Come pray. Uh, I come receive prayer from Pastor Timothy, uh, uh, and ladies from Miss Karen.
1: how But I will boast in Jesus Christ.
2: Take all the time you need. This concludes our Good Friday service. Feel free to come and receive prayer from from our leaders spend time here at the altar.